Broadcasting from the Stolen Droids Hangout, it's the Stolen Droids Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Stolen Droids Podcast. I'm Zoner. I'm Zoo. And it's been an interesting week. It has. I, I actually spent uh, part of the week concussed. Really? I did. I got my head slammed in a door of a car. Uh, a van, actually. Did and, you piss off Bullet Tooth Tony? I, I pissed off the wind is what happened, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and let me tell you, it flipping hurt, dude. It's actually hack Zoner in effect. They've actually managed to take over the environment. It, it really is. It really is. But yeah, the interesting thing is I had to go to a customer site the next day and do training sessions. And I was really glad that I had somebody there with me who could do it because I was in no shape to do it. It was ridiculous. <laughs> it was absolutely absurd. Well, I don't have anything nearly as fun as that. I feel bad now for even bringing it up because, yeah, you, you, you had a much cooler week than i do i have no uh, stories it was awesome i spent like a night unconscious it, it was it was kind of cool um i spent an entire night uh playing mass effect andromeda and not realizing it when i look out my window and suddenly it was light outside i'm like oh i better get to bed before my wife notices i never came <laughs> so tell me how is that because i haven't played it i i like mass effect i gave up after two though just because of the fact that three was a horrible kick in the groin yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't need that, that junk kick at the moment. Um, Andromeda is like revisiting an old friend. Okay. Is it an old friend that you, uh, want to punch in the throat? Or is it an old friend that you're happy you visited? Uh, it's an old friend you're happy you visited. But then occasionally you remember that there are little bits of drama between you and this friend. And, and that drama is here, too. You know, maybe you haven't aged as well. Maybe they haven't aged as well. Um, they've picked up cracks smoking, you know. Oh, oh, good. So, you know, little glitchy faces here and there. Not. It's an old friend. An old friend at the 20-year reunion. Glitch, glitchy faces, so they're tweaking is, is what it is. Exactly, exactly. Okay. Um, gotcha. In completely random tangent, uh, unfortunately, uh, EA or, or BioWare Montreal, who made Mass Effect Andromeda, is being shuttered. Um, it'll be handling QA and tech support only. So the Mass Effect series in general has been put on ice for the time being. All right. Which is unfortunate because Andromeda does end uh, with a lot of things unanswered. I think they were planning another trilogy. So, crap. Oh, fun. Yeah. Um, hey, before we get too much deeper into the black hole that is the Helios Cluster, uh, let's go ahead and give a shout-out to our friends over at TrekRadio.net, CryptonRadio.com, Stitcher.com, Geek Factor Radio, and Radio KSCR. The only radio, the only stations I listen to anymore. Isn't that funny how that is? Actually, it really is. I was driving with my car, my kids tonight in the car, and they're like, can we turn some music on? I'm like, well, yeah. I was like, okay, load up Pandora. I'm like, well, no, because we're not going anywhere far enough for me to get my phone out, pair it to the car stereo, pull up Pandora, find the station they all want to listen to, because they all listen to different things. Just turn on the regular radio. And my kids flipped through like 16 different stations and going, there is nothing on. I'm like, yeah, that's why I don't listen to the radio anymore. <laughs> true true yeah that's why i gave up on music a long time ago i listened to 
talk and podcasts, which are talk. So if if you want good music, you just listen to any of the internet stations I just mentioned because they've got Ex- you covered. Exactly. So they got your back, Jack. Dude, uh, how old or, are you? Or if your name's not Jack, they got your back as well. Um. So we have feedback. Cool. From Ruff, as you could probably imagine. And he writes, and this is in reference to the audio uh, driver keylogger that HP was putting out with their computers. And he says, the HP audio keylogger isn't an issue for me, as I always have my HP muted. Cheers, Ruff. P.S. That's a joke. Furthermore, I refuse <laughs> to be the bunny that bricks their Verizon router into bridge mode. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm really glad he specified that that was a joke because did you um, what was his dry Australian wit just too much for you to read into it, it, that made me a little bit nervous I'm not gonna lie honestly though I as much as I fanboy about certain brands I never try and just flat out state oh don't buy this brand. No, that's not true. Looking back on it, we've said that about a few different brands. We we have. It's fairly rare, though. Yeah. HP is one I just don't buy. I've never been impressed with their build quality, with their software. Um, you install, you, you buy a HP printer and suddenly you have 20 icons on your desktop and all they are are shortcuts to their websites. Oh, I hate that so much. I, and now this just kind of adds to it granted i buy dell and i know people have just as many bad things about dell um i either build my own or i buy dell that's just what i do but the thing is has dell ever put a key logger on no that we know of not that we're aware of you know i actually when i was on site at this customer this week um it was nice i didn't have to travel i just drove it was it was local i like that but they brought in a an hp laptop uh, for us to work on because we were having some issues with their network and, and stuff not wanting to work right with Citrix and and whatnot. And I I asked the IT guy there. I said, "So, did you remove the keylogger or is it still there?" And I think he and I were the only ones in the room who knew what I was talking about. <laughs> and he just he just laughed and said that said that um he didn't was, answer my question but he laughed <laughs> yeah yeah i i think he said it was actually still there but he was joking i hope um but yeah that's that's kind of a, a nightmare it's kind of a nightmare sitting down at a computer that you think should be safe right out of the box and it's recording everything you type here let me enter in my customer information yeah Hey, speaking of security, last week and kind of the week before, we had the issue with WannaCry, the ransomware that just swept the world. Um, that makes it sound like a good thing, like it's Beatles mania or something, but it's not. And it, they finally were able to stem much of it, though it is still slowly spreading. Um, Microsoft released some massive patches to address it. Um, if you haven't updated your computer, you really should. Why haven't you? You should be doing that now. You should pause this episode, go and update your computer, and then come back. We'll wait. It's okay. We understand. Um, and I don't care even if you have a Windows XP machine, because Microsoft released an update for this. In addition, the security researcher um, who found how to stop it 
published all that information, made it public. So there are ways around it now. So, so we're making headway in the fight. Well, Kaspersky Labs and some other security analysts have taken the code that was responsible for WannaCry and have picked it apart. And they found it, what it amounts to a digital fingerprint in it, a signature of that, that corresponds with other malware they've seen from North Korea. So it looks like this is state-sponsored. Uh, there, there are a few things that point to it. It's not just conspiracy theory. For instance, WannaCry um, is ransomware, which means that you pay them and they decrypt. They give you the decryption key. However, most ransomware that is built like this, because it's been around for a while, there's ransomware has been around for as, about as long as malware has. The, the ransomware actually pings back to check to see if the person has paid. And this one didn't. It didn't care if the person had paid. Also, most ransomware doesn't include a fail-safe or a kill switch. Because why would they want the money to stop rolling in? They want it to spread. They want it to continue to spread as much as possible. Because, hey, money's good, right? Generally speaking... And this one did. It had multiple kill switches, in fact, and fail-safes. So if it got onto the wrong system, they could go in and kill it. All Which of is the, interesting. Yeah, all these things point to espionage. Yeah. Now, they <laughs> yeah. have nothing fully definitive yet. They are continuing to mill through the code. And they'll, they almost always find out who was responsible, um, at least within... A certain give or take. And it's not like we're ever going to get a confession from North Korea, you know, about anything. Yeah. You know, I, I honestly would not be surprised though that it's to find that it's, it's North Korea. No, I wouldn't. Not in the slightest. That, that does not surprise me in the least. The very thought of that. I would like to take solace in the idea that, um, their top level cyber espionage group spent a year building this code that was supposed to bring the Western world to its knees. And we weathered it in about 48 hours. Yeah. Well, and now they've actually got, um, they've got code that can actually work its way around the, the ransomware and you can, straight up like decrypt it yourself it, it's like not a big deal anymore right um well and we have a certain person to uh a certain nameless activist to thank for that who really just did us all a favor by going in and working from his parents home he decrypted everything figured out how it works found out its weaknesses and figured out how to reverse the entire code and published it all on a blog and he was very friendly very helpful told everyone all the information they ever wanted he just simply said he didn't want to be identified he wanted to re- remain anonymous um and that was evidently all uk newspapers and tabloids needed to say, Oh, but this guy's hiding something. They then promptly found his real information and doxed him. Which is ridiculous. It's highly irresponsible, especially finding out that this is most likely state sponsored cyber terrorism. 
now you've got an entire nation gunning for this guy that has like an army. I mean, yeah, it's still North Korea, but they got an army. They can put things up in the air that explode sometimes. Within 25 miles. Yeah, I mean, that's just highly irresponsible in I my mean, mind. On one hand, it is the one thing he has to look forward to is that he has a couple weeks before operatives from North Korea can ever make it to the UK on horseback. So he has time. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that just it just seems so irresponsible to me that they would do that. But the way that our press is lately, I'm not, uh, I'm sadly, I'm not terribly surprised. What's really horrible is the fact that uh, here in the U.S., our press is pretty crappy at times. I mean, it, you have the real kind of low-end dredge, right? And, and even our friend Christy Porter, who is a producer at a news station for a large national news syndicate, uh, would agree. There's, you know... um, David Wolf, the avocado guy, you have Alec Jones, you have that screaming Republican blonde who everyone seems to like, who I can't even remember her name. The, are you talking about Tommy Laren? Sure. The the hot one that like is constantly just, yelling at you for being a horrible person? Yeah, her. Um She's like my ex, only prettier. <laughs> That works. I'm, I'm just saying. Um, they're all just crap. They just are. And they make a killing here in the U.S. by saying that they are real news. Then you have the tabloids, which are really just for entertainment purposes. They're crap and they know they're crap. And then you have the actual news sites that occasionally fall victim to tabloid-esque clickbait and also fall victim to the same sensationalism of Alec Jones and what's her bucket. And you know, they, they want to try and get those numbers, but for the most part, they also try and keep themselves at least somewhat reputable. I'm not saying they succeed, but it's a goal of theirs in the UK. I've noticed, and for our UK listeners, correct me if I'm wrong, but you have the actual state sponsored news, which in most cases is a big warning sign, right? In this case, it's just that the BBC is a public service. It's it's state television. It's kind of like PBS is for us here. And okay. the BBC and the BBC news organization tries to hold itself to the utmost level of professionalism for that reason. But then you have the tabloids, which is every other news organization in the UK. And they're an odd mix of actual journalism and a page nine girl and an alien story. And Elvis was seen in Yorkshire. It's just, it's this really <laughs> odd mix. So even the actual journalism stories are done by people who have no scruples about then putting a topless woman on page nine and seeing I think about it's page three. Sure, so. whatever. Uh, but you know, it's really weird. Yeah, I, I, I don't understand it. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I've kind of given up trying to understand it. And as, as much as I enjoy the news, as much as I enjoy politics, as much as I enjoy, 
you know, all the stuff that we do, I really get kind of, um, kind of frustrated with it just because it is, it sucks, man. Mm -hmm. It sucks. You don't know. We were talking about it before. You don't know who to believe. And then getting back to the, the doxing of this guy, I mean, it just goes to show no good deed goes unpunished. It's, it's ridiculous. There, there's just so much irresponsibility there. I, I, I am like appalled. Good job, Britain, making us feel good about ourselves. Which, you know, sometimes it's, it's nice to have. <laughs> um, in other WannaCry news, Microsoft is pissed about this. See, WannaCry exploited a vulnerability in Microsoft's code, one that the NSA had been sitting on for forever. And it wasn't a vulnerability that said, oh, if you do this, it will encrypt the hard drive. No, it was, if you do this, it will open up access to this computer, allowing people to push malicious code. And yes. so they just edited it to then push encrypting code. Yeah, Microsoft is super pissed at the NSA for sitting on this. Um, they, they released a, it sounds nice and professional until you read be between the lines and you realize just how scathing this is. I'll just read part of this here. It goes, finally, this attack provides yet another example of why the stockpiling of vulnerabilities by governments is such a problem. This is an emerging pattern in 2017. We have seen vulnerabilities stored by the CIA show up on WikiLeaks, and now this vulnerability stolen from the NSA has affected customers around the world. Repeatedly, exploits in the hands of governments have leaked into the public domain and caused widespread damage. An equivalent scenario with conventional weapons would be the U.S. military having some of its Tomahawk missiles stolen. And this most recent attack represents a completely unintended but disconcerting link between the two most serious forms of cybersecurity threats in the world today, nation-state actions and organized criminal action. Just for clarification, that was written by their legal counsel. So when you have such a comparison being written by the team that typically tells Microsoft to ease up, you know they're really not happy. Yeah, I thought... I, I can totally understand why they're not happy, though. I mean, you've got, like, Google going out and saying, oh, well, we found this vulnerability. If you don't fix it, we're going to call it to people's attention. Meanwhile, you've got the NSA. We found this vulnerability. Well, and not just the NSA, I'm sure. It's it's the entire government uh, saying, we found this vulnerability. How can we use it to our advantage before it gets leaked? And screws everyone over. Right. I, I can totally understand why they're upset. And Microsoft has been really good in recent years about that. They, they are the, I want to say the only one of the big tech companies that signed that pledge that they would never profit off of customers' private information. Yeah. Which is also the reason they don't make any money off their ads division. Um, they're the ones that push back the hardest against government surveillance, the whole prism leak and everything. They've been pretty upright about this. I, or stand upish. Stand. They've. I'm tired again this week. Did I mention that? Good guy, Microsoft. Good job. Um, well, a new bill has been written. Um, it's been introduced by Democratic Senator Brian Schatz from Hawaii. Can I just say I love that last name, Schatz. Schatz. 
is the man who always have a plan. <laughs> shats. <laughs> he shats the bed. You're damn right. Okay. Um, remember, tired, super tired. He is introduced to Bill that will never see the light of day. It will never pass, but at least it's out there and they know that it's an actual issue uh, that would require the NSA to disclose cyber exploit policies that they discover. Which I think is, is awesome. And I, I love it. Um, the acronym for the bill is called the patch act. Mm-hmm. Protecting our ability to counter hacking, hacking act of 2017. I love it. So it would create a uh, review board, um, and it would consist of U.S. security agencies, the heads of them, along with the presidential cabinet members as needed. And they would create policies and regulations establishing when to tell non-government entities, read, you know, private companies, about known tech exploits. Um, There's This still isn't perfect because... um, Look, I'm, I'm just going to say it. There's no one on our current president's staff that I would trust listening into a meeting like that and having half a clue what any of it meant. Yeah, and that seems to be one of the big problems that we have, and we've discussed it in the past. Uh, there's just nobody back there that's making the laws that really understands how the laws need to be implemented and and written given our current technological world yeah i i like this plan i'm glad a senator introduced it um it will not pass and even if it does pass it will have like steve bannon and kellyanne conway sitting there listening to it going oh that doesn't seem like any big deal Uh, and that's not to dig at them it'll have even if it let's say that it did pass and it went into effect now, and it's in effect for the next 50 years. Every single presidential cabinet has the equivalent of a Steve Bannon and Kellyanne Conway. They're always there. Right? Yep. They're always there. And even if they were a genius at something in political speak, they don't have a clue about programming or IT or technology because those people typically don't go into politics. No, they don't. So. And as we discussed last week on our show, they really don't even have, I mean, they don't have IT people in the military that know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, what makes you think that they're running around the state or the nation's capital knowing what they're doing? Yep. Um, speaking of security and technical protection in politics. I'm just going to read the first couple paragraphs of an article here from ProRepublica. ProPublica, excuse me. Um, I'm going to quote here. Two weeks ago, on a sparkling spring morning, we went trawling around Florida's coastal waterway, but not for fish. We parked a 17-foot motorboat in a lagoon about 800 feet from the back lawn of the Mar-a-Lago Club in Palm Beach and pointed a two-foot wireless antenna that resembled a potato gun towards the club. Within a minute, we spotted three weekly encrypted Wi-Fi networks. We could have hacked them in less than five minutes, but we refrained. 
A few days later, we drove through the grounds of the Trump National Golf Club in Bedminster, New Jersey, with the same antenna and aimed it at the clubhouse. We identified two open Wi-Fi networks that anyone could join without a password. We resisted. End quote. Um, so here's, we're in a funny situation here. Um, it's been all over the news that Trump has no clue what should be considered classified and what isn't considered classified. And he'll share pretty much anything with anyone who asks nicely and even lets them take pictures of it with their cell phones. But someone else in the government should know these things because they've been hired to, you know, protect the White House's infrastructure. No, never mind. He fired that guy. I just remember that. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm dead serious. I'd forgotten yeah. that until just I, now. He fired that dude. Have they hired a replacement? I, I haven't even heard. I don't know. Oh, my gosh. I totally had forgotten that. That's awesome. So, um, President Trump famously vacations at one of his properties every single week. And he's spending time and inviting dignitaries and conducting pre- presidential business at these facilities that don't have any more IT security than your standard Holiday Inn Express. Oh, come on. Those are totally secure. How many times has Hack Zoner been implemented at a hotel? Just ask yourself that question. They point out in this article, and it's a fascinating read for anyone who wants to know, um, if... A couple of journalists and an off-the-shelf antenna can motor right up to the back of the resort and get get that kind of access. Imagine foreign agents with actual state-sponsored tools and equipment. Like North Korea? Just saying. I mean, they may not have computers in their own country, but I'm sure they have something over here. I... I, I, I don't even know what to make of this. <laughs> it's like, it's so, it's so far out there that you really just don't even know how to, how to respond. You would think, given the state of our world, that somebody would like at least encrypt their Wi-Fi. That just seems so much to ask. I don't know, man. I got nothing. This got is nothing. this is where we're at now. I mean, we're at the point where it's almost comedic if it wasn't so terrifying. It's it's sad for me to know that I have better security here at my house <laughs> than at the Mar-a-Lago estate. Than the president does where he hangs out constantly. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. I wonder if there's a way I could ri- wrangle that into my resume. Do it. Do it. Um, I don't know, something along the lines of, I know security better than our president. Somehow I don't think that'd be a selling point. That's probably not. 
Um, okay, so a big thing happened this week, and it was Google I.O. time. You know, normally I get so excited with Google I.O. I wasn't this, this time. This week, I just... Yeah, right? I, I don't know why. I mean, last year, even last year, I was still pretty excited. But this year, okay, they're going to announce a new new Android version. Which has already been announced. I mean, it's been out in alpha releases or developer releases, whatever it is. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't care this year, which kind of makes me sad. I, I, it makes me sad too. I get what, I get why you're saying this as well. I just think that Google has polished Android to such a degree already that the only thing left to it without a huge paradigm shift are just little refinements here and there. And that's what they talk about. You know, a more fluid experience. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. That's, that's good. That's good. Sure. Um, vitals. It's what they're calling their plan to uh, increase the security, uh, speed up the boot time, work on battery life. Um, great. Wonderful. Thanks. Um, and and also they're making Android go, which is a lower end version to work on cheaper phones. Now I will say that's kind of cool. That is pretty cool. Um, now whether or not cheaper phones still sell, I'm curious because we, I should, let me rephrase that. We know cheaper phones sell. We know they sell very, very well. But cheaper phones with full-blown Android on them still sell really, really well. Yes, so I'm just, I'm not really sure what the benefit would be to have a cheaper build on a lower-end phone. Well, you know, it's interesting because I bought my kids' phones, oh, it's been about two and a half, three years now. Bought them Galaxy Lite. Um, it was a, it was a very budget phone, but, T-Mobile pushed one update to it and it maxed out what the phone was capable of doing to the point where it actually broke stuff with the phone just because the phone couldn't handle it. Mm -hmm. And they never got another update. I kept waiting for an update to fix it or something. I was talking to a guy at T-Mobile the other day who seemed to know what was up and he said, you know, um, they couldn't push out any more updates to it. Because of the fact that the phone couldn't handle it. it. Physically, it was such a low-end device, it could not handle it. Well, I bought my daughter, my 11-year-old, soon to be 12-year-old, a new phone to replace that Galaxy Lite. And I got her, I mean, it's like three or four, three or four um, generations down now, but the same line. It's still the budget phone. And it's got a full-on... Android build on it, but I can see how her previous phone would have been so much better served if there was like a light version of Android to match the light version of her phone. I get that. I, I, I do. I do. Cause uh, my boys have like the $50 um, super cheap RCA Android tablets that okay. full on Android chokes. Yeah. I had to go in and slim it down like crazy. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I, I've had to do that with with stuff as well. Yeah, I totally see that. 
But at the same time, I mean, I guess my point is, is that they work as much as I would expect a $50 tablet to work. Yeah, you get what you pay for. I think I don't want to go off on too, too much of a tangent, but I think we forget exactly what these devices are. That $50 tablet still contains more computational horsepower, capabilities, and hardware than we ever would have imagined five, ten years ago. I bought my very first PDA. Yes, kids, they used to be called PDA for personal digital assistance. It was a Sharp. Um, it ran Linux, which was the only one of its kind to do that. It used both SD cards and compact flash cards. I bought it for $400 in 2000. I remember how pricey that crap was back in the day. It can't do, it couldn't do anything that a modern smartphone can do. It can't, couldn't do anything that those $50 tablets can do. And it was, and it was, you could only use it with a stylus. Are you taking pictures of your screen? What are you doing? Hey, I, I, I gotta do stuff for Patreon, man. But so, I, I wish people could remember, look, yeah, it's a $50 device and it doesn't work really well, but there's a reason why, say, my S8 Plus costs as much as it does, and that $50 tablet had to make so many concessions. We're still talking about an immense amount of technology here. And just because it's, it's become ubiquitous, just because everyone has it, doesn't mean we should expect it to be that cheap. It's like, True. what if, what if someone said, Hey, what if Toyota came out and said, Hey, we've just built the hundred dollar car. Now everyone can afford a car. By the way, it has two seats. Um, it only has basic Three safety wheels. stuff. It has, um, a two cylinder engine. It can one door. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> and you'll never get it. There's that, lawsuits. That, that, that was starting. aimed at you. I know. There's lawsuits starting to form, by the way. I, I don't know. I, that, tangent over, rant over. Sorry. Anyway, the Android O beta is coming out, um, but only if, of course, you have a Nexus device or a Pixel device. For everyone else, it'll be sometime next year, probably, if you're lucky. Which, I'll be honest, um, Samsung's new TouchWiz interface on my S8 Plus, I love. I haven't even loaded up a third-party launcher. See, and I'm still rocking Nova on my S7. Yeah, and I I had Nova on my S7, but they they have a completely new TouchWiz interface. It's completely different, and I love it. You should get it. I, I'm okay I know. with what I got. I know. I'm happy. Uh, don't worry, folks. Review incoming. Um, one thing that they do have kind of cool is the Google Lens. Now, when I first saw this, I'm like, oh my gosh, they're trying to pull an Apple here because they had Google goggles years ago and it did these things. What on earth are they doing bringing it back and saying it's new and improved? Well, it is kind of improved. Um, it does do a lot of things that goggles did. Uh, you can take a picture of a street sign and it can pull exactly where you are. It can pull up, you can take a picture of uh, a sign that's in another language and it'll translate it like magic into English using the right fonts and everything. But on the other time, it also can do a bit more. For instance, if you get a new wireless router, 
and on the side are the username and password to join the network, you can just aim Google Lens at it, and not only will it recognize it, it will store it and connect to the Wi-Fi, which is cool. Um, you can point it, uh, point it at your flowers, and not only will it say, ah, that's a flower, it will be able to identify the exact breed for you. That's kind of cool. That's incredibly cool. I, 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 I've never really thought about flowers as being a breed. <laughs> well, okay. So I'm doing a load of landscaping. I'm doing a lot of landscaping here at this house that we moved into a year ago. Right. And spring came and we had massive rains and all these flowers started blooming. I'm like, man, those are gorgeous. What are those? I don't know. I had to call up my mom and send her a picture because she knows flowers. And she's like, oh, that's a flowering quince. You know, here's its information. Here's the amount of rain it likes. Here's the amount of sun it likes. Here's where it will stop blooming. I'm like, oh, what's that? This one's gorgeous, too. Oh, it's a weed. <laughs> like, I was sending so many pictures to her just to freaking identify what things were. And then there were a couple that she got wrong where it would have been right. But thanks to mimicry, this plant looks the exact same as another kind of plant she was more familiar with and so on and so forth. It's it's a pain. So this is kind of cool, actually. Well, it's also integrated with the new Google Photos. Now, as much as I try and actually get away from using Google services, I have fallen in love with Google Photos. Google Photos is wonderful. I'm not going to lie. I love it. With how many photos we take now with our phones, it is unbelievably handy that I can go in there and say, just give me pictures of Zoner. And it'll go through my entire photo history that's synced to it. And say, oh, here they are, and it'll list all of them. Or I can say, give me all the pictures I took around, you know, Dallas, Texas. Give me all the pictures I took May 5th of this year. Give me all the pictures I took with me and my wife in them. And in years past, it could do that too, or Microsoft's uh, solutions could do that. But you had to go through every photo and tag every person and location and activity and whatever in them. And here, it just does it. Yeah, it, that is kind of scary and unnerving, though, at the same time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's equal parts awesome and, and terrifying. They introduced a new feature with Google Photos called Smart Object Removal. And they had a demo here, which I'm calling absolute BS on. And they had a picture of a girl uh, at, a, at her baseball game. And they took the picture of it through the backstop. So it has the, the chain link fence in front of her. And they ran the Smart Object Removal. And it removed the backstop. So suddenly it looks like it's just her. Like you're in front of the backstop. And they're like, that's just amazing. It's just magical. Now, Photoshop has tools similar to this, but they take an immense amount of computational power. And even well, then, they aren't able to recreate things that were behind, just kind of mask the fact that it was edited. Yeah, and do you remember when that came out? What was it? it was CS6? Mm -hmm. is, that, is that when they introduced that? And we just and said we, it was witchcraft. Yeah, we were saying what pure witchcraft that was. And now, I mean, you can... It, it's just there. It's a standard feature now. I'm still calling BS on this particular demo. I'm looking at it, and the areas of this girl that were covered by the backstop, 
contain detail in the lower picture where the backstop has been removed that there's no way the phone would have known was there. Creases in her pants, um, wrinkles in her shirt, you know, texture on her wrist. Heck, the entire back part of the helmet. Uh Uh-huh. A phone couldn't extrapolate those. They simply don't exist. It would have had to completely make them up. And it's not like it copied patterns from elsewhere. I think this is BS. I think that they're working on it, and I think that it'll still be pretty awesome. But it even points out in this on HowToGeek.com that it's a promotional demo. They don't know how well it'll really work. I think what they did is they took a picture of a girl, and then they digitally added a backstop. That chain link. Yeah. So you think that that chain link wasn't there originally? Correct. Okay. You know, though, I, my son plays baseball. I go to a lot of games and I'm always trying to get photos through that stupid chain link. I, I had to do that a couple of years ago too with my boys. If Google can get rid of that for me. Holy crap. I will love them. I, I want to be able to. We had to go through just a huge rash of children's programs. We had, you know, kindergarten graduation and seventh grade commencement and all these different things. And I always try and get pictures of my kids afterwards, right, with their teachers. And there's always uh, some other knucklehead who's like walking through my photo or bombing it in the back. It's like, dude, I don't know you. I don't care to know you. I have no clue whose kid you are. What are you doing in this picture? Yeah. And it's like, man, if I could just say, hey, remove that kid. <laughs> Let's just erase his existence. Wait till Google builds the Predator drones. Then I'm fairly certain that is an option. It'll be a premium option, but... Probably. Um, for for enterprise users only. Right, right. Um, Google Assistant is also getting an upgrade, where it'll actually be aware of other devices on Google Assistant, which would be nice. Because um, right now it's kind of dumb that way. Now, you got one of these, didn't you? I did. I got a Google Home Hub. And some of these features are saying, hey, this is so awesome. It's going to come there. It's like, yeah, we we already have that. Um, But not as well as we'd want. Yeah, because I'm kind of wondering, have, not having played with the Google Home... I don't have the Google Assistant experience like you do. I've got it on my phone, obviously. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious how some of these changes, you know, with the cross-device integration and, you know, reminders and calendar appointments. I don't know why that's not available now, in all honesty. No one does. But there's certain things that it says, like, oh, actions. Like, you'll be able to integrate with a smart home with Google Assistant. You can already do that. I, I don't know why they brought that up. You can do it not only on the hub, but you can also do it on your phone. Yeah. Now, I will say text interaction, being able to type to Google Assistant instead of only speak to Google Assistant would be very nice. And they are bringing that. Mm-hmm. So, and they're also bringing it to iOS. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Um, good job. Yeah. So I'm actually very interested to see what happens with Google Assistant and really all the new AI stuff. I mean, we've got Cortana. We've got Siri. Um, I saw something today. I guess Jeff Goldblum was supposed to be the 
the original voice of Siri. Can you imagine that? That would be so awesome. I would buy an iPhone just because of that. Hey, Siri, where's the nearest pizza place? Uh, um, well, you see, uh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. Maybe Google can get Troy Baker to do his Jeff Goldblum impersonation. Can you get me directions to the nearest uh, grocery store? Must go faster. Must go faster. Faster would be better. <laughs> yeah, that, that would just be awesome. Um, I would love that. In addition to all those other cool features, Google Android O will completely redesign the emojis. I don't care. You know, though, a lot of people do, which, you know, emoji is a, is a soft spot. I mean, it's a sensitive subject for some people. Well, the thing is, is that this only works on the stock Android launcher. If you have an LG, you're using theirs and they have their own emoji designs true but like on my i use an s8 with swift key they use have an s7 or sorry s7 with swift key um thank you uh, <laughs> they they have the option to change the emojis i use the standard samsung ones because i like them a lot of people don't though so they install the ios ones or they install you know whatever um I'm not a big fan of the of the Android blob, but you know there are people who are. It, it's kind of cool though to to be able to look at it and say, "Oh, it's this type of emoji that you're using." I understand what type of phone you have now. Mm-hmm. Um, I I do like that, but a lot of people are, are freaking out about this. They're excited. This is big news, man. Me. Mm-hmm. I, I really personally don't care because I'll I'll still be using the Samsung ones. Um, into Apple news, kind of an interesting article came out from the Wall Street Journal warning Apple. I guess Apple, we've known this for a while. They've been trying to make headway into the Chinese market because that's just huge. There's so many people to be had there. Well, um, that's where they make them. You would think that everybody would have one. Hey, it's the homegrown hero. My Uncle Phil killed himself after making a bunch of these. <laughs> Ooh, too soon? So, unfortunately, they've kind of pissed off most everyone. A lot of the social um, apps over there offer the ability to tip people. It's the idea of giving a bit of money here or there to artists nearby or producers or people who are building something. You can send them tips. And I guess it's just part of the culture. And Apple has had to warn them, uh, be careful. Those are counted as in-app purchases and we get 30%. Ooh. Yeah. 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 At, at what point do we say Apple is just being greedy? I think we passed that point. I, I, I think we did. I think we passed that point. Now, I understand Apple's reasoning behind it, but I think they need to reevaluate what is actually an in-app purchase. If you're buying something from an app store or from a program that you get, that's an in-app purchase. If you are donating money to someone else, the most you can possibly charge is a transaction fee. Of 30%. 
You just said that's not a transaction fee. <laughs> hey, come on. If, 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 um, Ticketmaster can charge like a 90% convenience fee. That, that's how bad it is. Apple, if you want to be compared to Ticketmaster, go for it. But that's not something anyone wants. No, no, that's, that's awful. Um, also in Apple news, um, an Australian woman, uh, woke to the sound of her Beats headphones blowing up on her. I'll bet you it sounded amazing though, cause those headphones are great. Dude, that mixtape was on fire. <laughs> um, she, I guess sued. She didn't really sue. She really just wanted a replacement set of headphones and something to uh, replace the clothes that caught fire on it. And Apple said, no, we will not compensate you. It's your fault. Um, they were made by someone. The batteries were made by a third party. They weren't made by us. Right. But weren't they installed by you? See, like- I don't know, because I guess the early 2014 um models of of headphones required extra batteries to function but weren't those batteries provided by apple or were they battery packs that you could buy or or what well i don't know but it says that nowhere on the headphones or their packaging did it specify which brand of batteries should be used so i'm assuming that they were user replaceable that seems like a bad idea but well obviously but if apple doesn't have any information saying use this type of battery and then the incorrect battery blows up on someone's head. I think they do have some liability and responsibility there. And this is an interesting case because she's going to them saying, Hey, give me a new set of headphones and buy me a new shirt. Cause it like caught fire and stuff because of your headphones. Right. She's, she's not trying to sue them for millions and millions of dollars. And it's making Apple look extremely petty and absolutely I mean, horrible. Well, on on flip side, though, not to defend Apple, but from a business standpoint, if they make one rule saying, oh, yeah, we'll do that for you, they'll just start flooding in. And and I do understand that. I do understand that. But they're sitting on a potential PR disaster here. It might be a better idea to simply say, um, if you're using these ones purchased in this year, Please don't anymore. They're not supported. They may be dangerous. You can turn them in for a credit towards a new one. That would be brilliant. And it's not like they don't have the cash to handle it. I mean, they're looking at buying Disney for crying out loud. Yeah. It's like, hey, we have a new version with uh, less explodey ones with zinc-based batteries. Turn in your old ones for a $50 credit to new ones. Yeah, that just... They... I think Apple is being very petty, and I think that this could come back to bite them. Agreed. Also, and I'm not judging the lady here, but if she's in Australia, chances are really, really, really good, because Australia has a hard time importing a lot of tech, unfortunately. Um, But there's chances are really good that those batteries she got were from China. Yeah. And I'm just saying, I know a lot of things are made in China, but a lot of things are also cheaply made in China. Or do you remember the hoverboard incidents? (laughs) <laughs> yeah exactly. i'm not blaming her at all i'm just saying regardless of what the packaging says you bought a new dell or hp laptop and hey look online you can get a new battery for it for 20 bucks from some hong kong limited company guess what it's probably going to blow up on you 
There's just, you're running that chance. chance. Yeah. There's a chance. I'm, I'm just saying, just saying, um, we're, we need to keep moving on here. Uh, remember the idea of a hobbyist drone flyer going over a guy's daughter and getting shot down? Yes. Yeah. It kicked off an entire firestorm of legal cases going back and forth between those two neighbors, but more than that, the FAA and drone operators. Um, and the FAA finally said, no, no, we're going to make everyone register their drone. And an appeals court has struck that down. Yeah, I, I don't know if we talked about it or not. It's a three-year registration. You pay five bucks for it. I think we uh, did. Uh, you can't fly them at night. You can't fly them above a certain air level. Um, if yeah. you If you want to fly at night or if you want to fly above that, you have to get a certain drone license. Um, I thought, personally, it was really well kind of made sense. Drone operators disagreed. Yeah, I don't like the regulation, and I'm not a drone operator, but I I don't don't like that too. so we know that. Here's the issue I see. Um, If you're flying drones around an airport, and you should be arrested, and if you do anything that jeopardizes an aircraft, and something happens to that aircraft, you're responsible. I concur. Um, but where most of these things are like, well, if that happens, we'll just arrest that person. I'd much rather it not happen before killing everyone aboard a landing jet. Yeah, that, that is true. You know, it's the same idea that, you know, amateur rocket builders shouldn't go to certain areas and fire off rockets. And there are FAA rules about it. And I don't know enough about those regulations to say something one way or another, but it's a real sticky subject if you think about it. It's it's almost like the next car. When these things are cheap enough that everyone can own them, and it opens up a whole host of potential legal problems by just flying it wherever you want or doing whatever you want with it, with little to no regulation or oversight... It's going to... This is going to... We're going to see the modern day equivalent of what it was when everyone started getting cars and pushing the people and the horses off the streets. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think it's eventually going to get to that point. I, I really do. I, I don't think you're wrong there. Yeah. Um, we finishing up here, we, uh, got some bad news from the world of Verizon. If you were hoping for an LG watch sport, their new version of the Android 2.0 wearable, it's not going to Verizon. We don't know why. They haven't said. Yeah, it just kind of disappeared. Yeah. Um, Digital Trends, uh, we have some stupid tech news here, too. Digital Trends has an actual um, device, I guess. Uh, if you want to muzzle yourself so no one can hear what you're saying in your phone conversation... That's what this basically is. It is the stupidest idea ever. Possibly ever, ever. It looks like something that should be on like 50 shades of gray. Yeah. Um, it's, um, the tech version. Yeah. It it just goes over your mouth and it has built in microphones and it muffles you. So people around you can't hear what you're saying. Um, and then it has earbuds that go up. Uh, Look, 
The only situation where something like this would be worth it would be like airports or subways or whatnot. But then you have the idiots around you who put themselves on speakerphone and talk at their phone. Oh, I hate that. Hate that. So, I mean, I, great, good job. Uh, and our last episode comes from the world of machine learning, and it is absolutely hilarious. A lady um, told a neural network, she, she programmed it to try and come up with new colors. They had to be far away enough from other colors that already existed and to name them. And she gave it certain parameters, like how creative it could get, um, what we typically name things based on mood. And some of them were kind of weird, right? And some of them were really, really surreal. Like, sane green is actually purplish blue, and surreal gray is kind of green. But then it also said things like gray pubic and stoomy brown. I like snowbonk, personally. There's clardic fug, cat babble, bunflow, raunching blue, bank butt. Carrying Tan, which is, by the way, gray, Stargoon, Sink, Stummy Beige, Dorkwood, Flower, which <laughs> might be the most accurately named one. <laughs> Dorkwood is awesome. Light of Blast, Grass Bat, which is purple, Cindus Poop, Dope. This color is dope, man. I love the testing one. Oh, geez. Stoner Blue. And my favorite, though, is probably the one that is most accurately named of Turdly. <laughs> I love that. So, um, look, the Machine Uprising, they may try and kill you, but at least they won't try and paint your house. Or if they do, it's going to have a hilarious name. Yeah. Yeah. Could you imagine painting your nursery in Turdly? <laughs> the baby's sitting there going, well, if okay, if you say so. Um, into our favorites. This week, mine comes from Glove and Boots. Glove and Boots are on a mission to try and produce as many videos as possible in, like, the next month or so. And they've been doing them, like, four times a week. And they actually have another channel now where they game. They have a green screen set up, and they have this hilarious one this week where they play Mass Effect Andromeda. And I have never laughed so hard in my life at a YouTube video. I couldn't breathe. I thought I might pee. It turns out that one of the puppeteers, I don't know which one, had been playing this game for a week. And during that entire week, he hadn't done anything other than tweak his character creator so hard that you will probably have an aneurysm laughing at when his character wakes up. And what's really great is the fact that no one else on the production had seen this character before they started making the video. So they're dying while trying to operate puppets on a green screen, trying their very best to hold it together. It's worth checking out. It's only a few minutes long. You'll love it. And my favorite is an honest smartwatch commercial. We've talked a lot about smartwatches on this show over the years. And whether you want to admit it or not, they are still kind of a niche product. They're not for everybody. And this smartwatch commercial uh, from the people over at Cracked.com kind of illustrate that fact quite nicely, I think. So um, check it out. Uh, hopefully you'll find it half as humorous as I did. 
Indeed. All right. Well, that is our show this week. Hey, if you have any feedback, let us know what you're thinking. Feedback at StolenDroids.com. Give us a call, 801-917-GEEK. Follow us on Twitter. Friend us on Facebook. Um, hey, donate on Patreon. Then maybe you can get this episode on Monday instead of Tuesday. You know, or any of the extra content Zahner was evidently recording while we were trying to make this show. Yeah, it didn't turn out very well, so it just went up on Instagram. So follow us on Instagram. Oh, that's an idea. Hey, and until next time, cheers. Good day. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.